WXME AM 780 Monticello Holton Presque Good morning, Aroostook County. This is the Aroostook Watching Radio Show. Coming to you live on the Constitutional Radio Network, the conscience of Maine. This is Jack McCarthy, your host. Should be uh, an interesting day. At the bottom of the hour, we have Chris Ann Hall coming on to uh, speak to us about some of the issues going on as we speak throughout this uh, these several United Sovereign States. Uh, used to be, anyways. We are January 9th, 2016. Hard to believe, folks. Hard to believe. 2016. I wouldn't have believed it. Never even thought we'd make it this far, to tell you the truth. But here we are. We're ready to rock and roll. Join us and tell folks. If you know, Take a second. We'll, uh, we'll be doing some stuff here. We'll be doing some house cleaning and some of the announcements and things. Take a second. Make a few phone calls. Tell people to get in here and listen at uh, the bottom of the hour, about 8.30. Uh, Chris Ann Hall will be calling in from, I believe, Kansas City, where she's getting ready to do uh, one of her constitutional teachings for some folks there. So we will get the benefit of she's already up and prepared, ready to go for that. So we will get the benefit of her um, insights on some of the current issues as we see them unfolding today. Okay, let's see. Let's start, as is our custom, with some our little devotional from In God We Still Trust. From Joshua 7.12, Therefore the children of Israel could stand before their enemies. Hmm, how could they stand before their enemies? Samuel Adams, the great American patriot, accused by King George III of being the chief rabble-rouser of American independence, wrote the following in a letter to James Warren, the president of Provincial Congress of Massachusetts in 1779. Quote, a general dissolution of principles and manners will more surely overthrow the liberties of America than the whole force of the common enemy. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But when once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. Hmm. How necessary, then, is it for those who are determined to transmit the blessings of liberty as a fair inheritance to posterity to associate on public principle in support of public virtue. Boy, I tell you what, let that sink in a little bit, folks. Just, I'm going to read it again. It's, just let that sink in. And the, I'll go back and reread that. The prayer for the patriots, grant us strength, Father, that we may be able to provide the blessings of liberty to our children and to our children's children, help us all to understand what virtue means and to live virtuously every day. Let us also teach the principles of virtue as we live our lives. 
Why? Just why? Why have any standards? This is talking about standards, principles. Why have any principles? Why have any standards? You know, if it feels good, do it. You know, drop out, turn on. You know, Timmy Leary and all that stuff. Where did it all come from? How did we get here? Well, here we are, and here we are, and look around you. I mean, the news, if you don't have any hope, if you don't know where you stand in Christ, if you don't know your duties and responsibilities as a patriot, your heart will fail you for fear because everything out there is about fear. Everything. And and obfuscation. I'm, we're going to go over a couple things this morning before Chris Ann All comes on. And uh, we're, we're, they've got us fighting the wrong battles. They've they're it's a constant barrage of misspoken or seemingly normal conversation from every avenue that is meant designed to give you the wrong impression, to make it seem as though this is correct. And I'll get into it in a minute, but it's just, I, I, as, we're open, as we open our eyes, folks, it's not about me telling you what's true and what's not. It's about helping us each other to open our eyes, to give us each a little understanding, a little insight as to what it is we're seeing and to be to have that not to be critical but to have a critical thought process it's not to be it's not about being critical of your your neighbor or your spouse or your friend or whatever or even the the the, the talking heads it's not about being critical of them it's about having critical thought as being able to analyze what's being said because everything is designed to get you to have the reaction that they want or the lack of reaction that they want. Because back to Sam Adams, he did more than just invent beer, you know. If they can undermine the virtue and and dilute the principles, it's over. And I'm afraid to say, from what I see, without, without intervention of God, we are in major, major trouble. Maybe that's part of the plan. You know, Adam's quote is, a general dissolution of principles. You know, dissolution, a general dissolving, a general uh, fading away of principles and manners will more surely overthrow the liberties of America than the whole force of the common enemy. While the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But when once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. Think we got any of those? Hmm? External? They're coming across the borders. The current... The current administration is bringing desperate refugees in. Really? Desperate refugees. 
You mean the the ones with with uh, brand name sneakers and fancy backpacks? Oh yeah, those are the those are the guys in the twenty thirty year old range with the woman that's barefoot carrying one child, got two or three around her. These are the people that are desperate and refugees and coming in. How come they're not staying home and and protecting their homeland? Hmm. These are the external invaders. The internal invaders, we pay them. They're in Congress. Hmm. Sad. How necessary, then, is it for those who are determined to transmit the blessings of liberty as a fair inheritance to prosperity to associate on public principles in support of public virtue. Virtue, virtue, interesting, interesting topic. Again, one of my favorite books, uh, Dobson, what's his name? Uh, Young Dobson. Anyway, Be Intolerant. Be Intolerant. Here you go. Let's do this one. Where is she? Here you go. This is... um, Bloomberg View columnist Margaret Carlson stated, these people who have snuck in, maybe they become Americanized. Maybe the anger goes away. Maybe what they snuck in to do, they're not going to do because we do have an acceptance of these people. Yeah. Carlson said of assimilating immigrants, we do know how to do it. Really? Europe doesn't know arrogance much. Europe doesn't know how to do it. France especially doesn't know how to do it. England, not very good at it. And so we have, we, 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 stick a chest out, lady. We have less of a problem. You know, these people who have snuck in, that I don't know if they snuck in, but maybe they become Americanized. Maybe the anger goes away. Maybe what they snuck in to do, they're not going to do, because we do have an acceptance of these people. As Congressman Keith Ellison said, they're more patriotic because they're here and they work harder. Uh, Keith Ellison, Congressman Keith Ellison. Uh, He's the congressman from Minnesota, right, that took his oath of office on a Koran. How can we even how how can we even think about that? How can we even deal with that? You're taking an oath of office on a Koran to uphold and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Really, really, right. we just get things so backwards. It's hard to. It's just hard to wrap your brain around all that. I want to, let's see here. I need to check in on the chat room to make sure. Ah, this crazy thing. Why is it doing this? There it goes. Oh, well. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, a couple of announcements. Let's see what's going on here. Um, I'm going to give you a heads up. This is for the folks that uh, I just just couldn't resist getting into all that. I just got to. I got to stay focused here. I got to stay focused. We, <laughs> oh, there's so much going on. Um, February 28th 
that seems like quite a ways away. So here's the deal. You folks that that love me, we work together, we're friends, I'm going to ask you to do something. And you folks that really hate me and would do anything to physically hurt me, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Okay? Does that make sense? No. Well, here it goes. There's a camp in Maine, Camp Capella. It's a special needs camp. They do an absolutely awesome job. What a great place. Run by wonderful people. They do a great job. Um, one of my daughters attends there. It's her camp. Uh, it's Camp Capella, located in Lucerne, over by the Lucerne Hotel, Motel, whatever it is, on the lake right there. Beautiful spot. They're doing a fundraiser, <clears throat> and it costs a lot of money to run a camp like that. It's 100% privately funded. It's no government funding. They raise all their own funds. They do the job themselves. They're a great organization, and uh, they do a great job. So one of the guys that does some of the fundraising <clears throat> is um, – What's the car dealer in uh, Bangalore, the big car dealer? Oh, I forgot the name. Anyway, uh, he runs this thing, Joe. He runs one of their, their fundraisers. Well, any of you that know me personally know that I spent a lot of time in the, in the Caribbean, in the Pacific, and on the equator, and I like warm water. I don't like cold water. I'm pretty lean. I get cold pretty quick. So, you folks that, that like me, we need some help raising some money. You folks that hate me, we need some help raising some money. February 28th, they do a swim in the lake. One of those, one of those crazy, what do you call it, um, polar bear swim things. It's not long. doesn't have to be when you have to take a chainsaw and cut a hole in the ice to get from point A to point B, I won't be in the water long. But we're gonna we're gonna do this. It's one of those deals. It's a money raiser. It's a pledge. And let me tell you, I'm not doing it for fifty bucks. I'm gonna try to raise two thousand dollars, <throat> hundred bucks a pop. Anybody that's willing to do it, I would appreciate it. I'll tell you how to do it in future future shows as we get closer to here. Uh, February 28th, we'll be on the lake, Camp Capella, and I'm um, going to take the polar bear plunge. I think last year, I think they said they raised $28,000, and uh, it's, it'll be a great day, uh, lots of fun, and a few people will get wet and cold, and there'll be snacks and hot chocolate and stuff, and lots of kids, lots of kids. It'll be great. So if you want to hurt me or if you want to help me, either way, decide you're going to cough up 100 bucks for Camp Capella and uh, get me to jump in the water and swim across that little opening and get out and shiver for a while. So by all means, let us know. Give us a hand. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have Joe on uh, at least once between now and then to explain how it all works and give you a place to uh, contact to make your pledge 
But uh, I want to see if we can raise a couple thousand dollars to, to help this outfit out. Uh, I know that they ended last season, last year, in the red, and that's, that's not a good thing. Uh, for, for the work that they do, it's not a good thing. So it's Camp Capella. Jack uh, is going to be there on February 28th and go for that swim. I don't want to do that. Believe me. Believe me. I don't want to do it. But it's something I can do. I don't have, I don't have great resources uh, available to me, even though my father owns the cattle on Thousand Hills. Uh, but uh, this is one thing I can do to support and help. And uh, by golly, we're going to do it. So cough up a few bucks, set aside a few bucks between now and February 28th, and uh, see if we can, from Aroostook County and the Aroostook Watchman Show, throw in a couple thousand dollars to help them be ready for next summer. So we're also going to go down and help them clean the cabins and get her set up in the, yeah, as soon as the snow starts to go away. Anyway, that's it for that. Okay. Let's, uh, what are we going to do first? This crazy lady, Margaret Carlson. I got to get that off my screen. She's making me nuts. Uh, let's see. Ta-da-da-da. Interesting. Let's do this. Interesting here. Um, and it's not coming up because it's dumb computer. Here we go. There's an interesting article here on the natural born citizen of the United States. This comes from Orly Tates and it's, uh, just a, an interesting, quick uh, notation as we look at some of the current uh, buyers. If that, is that a word? Buyers? People vying for the, uh, to be the next president of the United States. From the time of the adoption of the Constitution until today, the standard was one born in the country to parents who are citizens do not owe their allegiance to others. The U.S. Constitution was based in no small measure upon the book, The Law, uh, the Law of Nations. It's a French edition from 1758. And it says in that book, quote, natural-born citizens are those born in the country of parents who are citizens. Um, you can find the Law of Nations at uh, the, 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 the first edition, 1760 nude, I can't pronounce that, general editor, from Wikipedia, the Free Encyclopedia, Natural Born Citizens. A similar definition was used by John Bingham, drafter of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, who stated during congressional hearings that, quote, a natural born citizen is born in the U.S. territories to parents who didn't owe allegiance to other sovereignties. That's the critical point, folks. That's the critical thing of the natural-born citizen clause. There is no record of a debate on the natural-born citizen qualification during the Constitutional Convention. This clause was introduced by by the drafting committee of 11 and then adopted without discussion by the convention as a whole. One possible source of the clause can be traced to a July 25, 1787 letter from John Jay to George Washington. Listen, folks, the, the Library of Congress has done us quite a great service. Many of these documents are actually available, and you can search them. Um, I did this a few weeks ago and because... 
I got this letter from someone, uh, email, and you know, there's so much crap on the internet. I didn't know that I trusted it, and it was supposedly George Washington's explanation to a reporter about his Masonic connection. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to dig into this. So I took a little bit of time, more than I normally would, and I dug and dug and dug, and I finally figured out how to get into that 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 uh, archive. And by golly, I started digging around in there, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Handwritten letters, obviously they're not typed <coughs> or electronic and digital, but what they've done is they've scanned the original letters. Some of them are very difficult to read. And then someone has gone in and next to them printed it so it's readable. And that's available. These things are available. Check it out. This source from John Jay to George Washington, presiding officer of the convention, Jay wrote to Washington, quote, permit me to hint whether it would be wise and seasonable to provide a strong check to the admission of foreigners into the administration of our national government and to declare expressly that the commander-in-chief of the American army shall not be given to nor devolve on any but a natural-born citizen. Very interesting, very interesting. John Jay was an American politician, statesman, revolutionary, a diplomat, a founding father of the United States, and the first chief justice of the United States. Very interesting. And um, in the United States versus Wonk, 1898, every person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof becomes at once a citizen, citizen of the United States and needs no naturalization. A person born out of the jurisdiction of the United States can only become a citizen by being naturalized, either by treaty, as in the case of annexation of foreign territory, or by authority of Congress, exercised either by declaring certain classes of persons to be citizens, as in the enactments conferring citizenship upon foreign-born children of citizens, or by enabling foreigners individually become citizens by proceedings in the judicial tribunals as in the ordinary provision of the naturalization acts this they didn't he wasn't talking about congressmen senators mayors only that we need to be very careful about who the commander in chief of the american army be that there be no possibility of a dual loyalty, that there would be no possibility that that that, that person's mind and personality would be influenced by, well, I don't really want to offend the people in that country or the other country where I have this other loyalty. It's important. It's important. And it goes back to the principles and virtue that Sam Adams was talking about in, the, in our opening. If you dilute the principles, if you, if you water down 
the virtue, how will the commander-in-chief be able to make proper decisions if if he's if he's got this this other loyalty whether it's loyalty even a small to a small degree because of the way he was raised because of the the first 4 5 10 years of his life and his family they were canadians i'm not we're not i'm not even really picking on the the uh, the kenyan I'm, I'm, it's that's not the case we have to not work on that issue. We have to look at what is supposed to be and stick with it. They've got us arguing all the wrong arguments. They've got us fighting about superficial stuff about the about the result rather than the actual rule. Uh, Bless her heart, K. Beach has been fighting the the Real ID Act and and our friend Mark Lerner, and kudos to them. They're doing a great job. They're spreading the word. They're, they're getting it out there, and, and Mark always brings in the, 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 the foundational religious principles. But, but here, here, this is one of the things that, that Kay um, posted just recently. The Real ID Act is not real. It's a bizarre policy fiction with murky goals. Once billions of public treasure is expended and the government has complete control over who you say you are, say who you say you are, and the next Mohammed Atta would still be able to obtain a state driver's license, it'll be too late to reverse course. And then Matt Dunlap, Secretary of State, says, Real ID Act won't protect us in February 16, February 16, 2007. Oh, my goodness. But Real ID is not the problem. Real ID is a symptom. Remember? Real ID is not the real problem. Because Matt also, Mr. Dunlap, Secretary of State, also understands that real ID shreds the Fourth Amendment. Ah, so the Fourth Amendment is more critical. Mr. Dunlap also understands that I have a right to operate. So how can a right be licensed? The real issue is not real ID, but the licensing of any right. So the more we battle real ID, the more they laugh at us because very soon you'll need a license for your right to life. See? Okay. One other thing before Chris Ann comes on, we'll get maybe we'll get into a little bit of that uh, as she if she wants to. But uh, one of the retailers showed me, I used to be in the retail business, but uh, one of the retailers showed me the current effective January 1st this year, eight days ago, main revenue services, sales, fuel, and special tax division instructional bulletin number 12. Okay, this is about the new sales tax laws as they're coming into play right now. Now listen, blah, 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 okay? Taxable sales, A, food products. Now listen, listen the way this is written, folks. Generally, 
the sale of food products is subject to sales tax unless it the item qualifies for an exemption. The primary exemption is for sales of grocery staples described later in this bulletin. By definition, the following product categories are not grocery staples and therefore subject to tax. Did you, did you hear that? Now, what does that mean? What's it mean? Come on. Hello. Raise your hand. This is a test. Generally, the sale, they, they have to give you this indoctrination line. Generally, the sale of food products is subject to sales tax unless the item qualifies for an exemption. No, 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 no. Generally, the sale of food products is not taxable. But see, right here, every retailer, they'll make copies and copies and copies of this for their, for their produce manager and for their um, snack food manager. And generally, the sale of food products, it's propaganda, it's indoctrination. Not true. If that's not true, how, that's the premise that this entire thing is based on. If that's not true, then what else is not true? You go through this thing, and here we go. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, do, do, do. They define, and in this thing, it just gets absolutely crazy. I can show you by a slight stretch of the way this is written that just about every food item could be taxable. Listen. Nuts and seeds that have been processed or treated by salting, eh, that makes it a snack. Spicing, that can make it a snack. Smoking, you're not supposed to smoke it, just kidding. Roasting or other means. Processed includes shelling. So almonds, because food is generally taxable, almonds that have been processed by taking the shell off are suddenly snack food and taxable. Really? Walnuts. How many of you, there's hundreds of thousands of people, even in Maine, whose primary protein source is nuts and seeds. But the state in its insanity, has decided that any nut or seed, it says nuts and seeds that have been processed, including shelling, is going to be taxed now. Well, what about wheat? In order to make wheat, in order to make bread, you, you shell it. Oats, corn. Wow. Hell, good morning. Chris Ann. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. I can tell. Oh, we're just going <laughs> over some stuff. We're just uh, the, the the general gist, gist of this morning's show is they're lying to us. Hello, folks. Wake up. Listen to what they're saying. Have some critical thought. Have some critical attitude in the way you're thinking about it. And listen to what they're really saying because they're setting us up. Everything is propaganda. 
<laughs> Everything well, is I, I think I think that if we, you know we're ever speaking about the government, uh, the one thing that we have to remember is that they can't be trusted. Uh, I'm currently uh, reading through a, a book that Thomas Jefferson referenced, and uh, there's a, a, a great philosopher on law and government called uh, by the name of Montesquieu, and uh, there's a man who wrote a, uh, I don't know what, what you would call it, sort of an explanation of Montesquieu's treaties. And uh, Jefferson sort of turned me on to this, and I'm reading that now. And um, he says that there is no difference in government when you realize the fact that there are only two types of government, good and bad. And the good is always likely to turn to be the bad without much notice. Well, that, that's interesting because most of my Christian friends and most of my pastor friends teach that all government is instituted by God and all government is to be um, obeyed. Are you, <laughs> well, are, you hiding, would... are you hiding Jews in your attic? Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. You know, the, the interesting thing is, is that's half right. Oh, all government. Half. So yeah, it's half all... Yeah, all government all government is instituted by God. That is that is an absolute fact. But we have to remember that uh, Pharaoh was government, and uh, um, uh, my brain is was, not working went, this morning. It's okay. He went swimming one morning in uh, when the walls of the uh, the Dead Sea came back down on him. Right. He took a swim. Right, right. Yeah, and Nebuchadnezzar was government, and he tried to throw the, the three boys into the, to the furnace. And so we need to understand that even though uh, God does institute all government, he does not expect us to obey uh, bad government. He doesn't expect us to obey government that goes against uh, his natural laws. Yes, that's the key, isn't it? His it, natural yeah. laws. Absolutely, not, and, not and the Bible law. is asking. not not your natural law. You didn't write that stuff, right. right? Right. No, I didn't. I didn't invent gravity, so there's not anything I can do about that. I can wake up every day and deny it, but the first time I hit face hits the concrete, you know, <laughs> I, I'm proven, right? Yes, absolutely. But the Bible is replete with with stories of people that God reveres as heroes of the faith who stood against government. You know, I mean, you have the the uh, Hebrew nursemaids who refused to engage in government-mandated abortions. You have um, uh, Moses' mother who refused to obey the law to throw her son into the river to drown him. You have Moses who was told by God himself to defy government. Uh, you know, the story keeps going on and on. David, uh, or Daniel, who was one of the highest politicians of his day, uh, refused to obey government. You know, Daniel, Daniel is the one that I that I point to all the time. That's the one that has impacted the way I think the most, mm -hmm. because Daniel didn't look at the new law and say, "I'm going to break the law." He said, "I'm going to continue as I always have." Mm -hmm. It's right. not and about defiance. It's about continuing to do the right thing. Well, there was a certain amount of defiance in Daniel's uh, activity because 
he, uh, the Bible says that when Daniel found out this was law, he, be, he threw open his windows and his doors and began to pray. Uh, it was not, and he prayed toward Jerusalem, which was not uh, something that is mandated by rabbinic laws to, to pray towards Jerusalem. And he did it with his windows and doors open so that they knew not only that he was praying, but they knew who he was praying to. And so he knew very well what he was doing and the consequences of those actions. But as the, uh, as the apostles said in Acts 5.29, we are to obey God, not men. Mm. And that Romans 13 thing was written by this guy, whatever his name was. And <laughs> where was he? Where was he? Oh, I think he was in a Roman prison. Uh, yeah. For what? For for committing civil disobedience, and he's right. writing a letter telling us not to do that. I don't think so. Right. I yeah, don't I, don't, think I, so. I don't. I'm I'm trying to change the narrative. I don't really like that term, civil disobedience. I like to call it righteous resistance because it's the government that's being disobedient, not me. Right. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that. <laughs> I like that. We are. I'm sure that you agree, but I'd like to know where you stand on it. We are at a precipice. We, there are so many things happening. We're, we're lied to about everything. We've got a huge event going on in Oregon. We've got a, another, who knows whether it's real staged or whatever, in Philadelphia with this, this lunatic uh, Muslim that just shot a young cop sitting in his car. What's going on? What do we do? How do we stand? Well, you know, um, Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, but to the contrary, when a people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. And uh, well, that's what's I, happening I to America. Were you listening to the first part of my show today? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, that's how we open. <laughs> sorry. That's how we open today. Yeah. So quotes from Adams. Yep. Well, America has become universally ignorant of its foundation, of its constitution, of its uh, inalienable rights, the 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 proper role of government, the proper role of government being only one to secure our inalienable rights. And Jefferson made that clear in the Declaration of Independence. And he also made it clear that when any government operates destructive to our rights, then another right is invoked by people, the right to alter or abolish it. And uh, what, where we are now is uh, at a place where we have become so universally ignorant um, that we have become not only ignorant of our, our foundation, our constitution, we have become ignorant of our moral uh, moorings which has led to becoming debauched in our manners, you know. And so we have, we have fulfilled this, this natural law, this universal truth, and uh, we have allowed government to become our provider and our protector, and uh, we've made government our God. And the problem that we have then is now we have to come to the awakening of what we've done so that we can turn from that behavior towards the more correct behavior, the, the uh, attachment to liberty and the uh, control of government. But as Jefferson also said in the Declaration of Independence, that, that men are willing to suffer evil while evil is still sufferable. And that's, that's another universal truth. So we, we've got to come to an awakening. 
where we realize that um, we are being oppressed. It's amazing. I just returned from a mission trip in Haiti, and uh, I lived in Haiti for uh, 30 days, not in on not on a mission camp, but actually with the people. So I stayed in their homes and and worked with the communities and that sort of thing. And uh, we, the people of Haiti, actually have, in in many respects, more liberty than Americans. If uh, I was explaining to one of my hosts, I said, you know, it's amazing because you walk down the street in any neighborhood. If you have a product that you want to sell, you just put up a little like lemonade stand in your front yard and and you sell it. You uh, make uh, they make pate, they make fried plantains, they make chicken. Uh, they, well, they get, sell they get milk a license and, and, and they're they're inspected by the FDA and the USDA. <laughs> yeah, right? no, 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 not at all. Well, you know, and the amazing thing is is that the people aren't dying for lack of of government regulation. And so I'm explaining to my host that if I were to engage in these activities that that is that are just simply common everyday events in Haiti, uh, I would actually have military-style force uh, breaking down my doors at four in the morning, arresting my family because I'm trying to sell milk to my neighbors. Uh. And they were just absolutely shocked at uh, the fact that you can't do anything. In Haiti, if you want to build a house, you build a house. You build the house you want to build, and if it falls down, that's your fault. Okay, and so, so uh, what's, what's, the, what's the cure for that, Chrisanne? What is the cure for that? Here's, here's well, where it, I stand. Mm-hmm. Wherever I stand, wherever my feet are planted is a free speech zone. Right, Wherever absolutely. I am is a free trade zone. I mm-hmm. engage in the art of entrepreneurship, Wherever I am, why don't we all do that? Because of well, I would I would simply make one distinction because there is a lot of confusion going around the country uh, for our lack of knowledge. We have failed to teach truth for uh, over a hundred years, and I would say, wherever you are, you do not have free speech. Wherever you are, you do not have free market. You cannot come to my front yard and have free speech. That is my private property. Uh, but wherever you are publicly. Uh, you have free speech wherever you are, uh, and I would say, I guess on on your own property, you you have uh, these inalienable rights. But the the thing that we need to remember about liberty is that the only bound that liberty has is that you can't interfere with mine. Okay, so you can do whatever you want. That's your liberty, and and um, it's written through Locke. Uh, it's what, uh, Samuel Adams wrote a dissertation called The Rights of the Colonists. Uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote as Silence Do Good in 1722, those very simple principles, that the liberty knows no bounds, that you can uh, harm no other. And so those are, the, those are the limitations that we need to understand because we fail to teach that, that liberty and freedom are not synonymous. Uh, freedom is the freedom to do whatever you like, however you like, which means I'm free to murder, I'm free to steal, and I'm free to lie. But liberty is freedom plus morality. To understand that in my creation I am created free, but there are some things that I won't do because they're wrong. And so that's the sort of distinction that we need to make there. And the cure to this is the the antecedent of, of what Samuel Adams said. You must become knowledgeable and you must become virtuous. And those are the keys to restoring America, which is why I do what I do. 
Uh, right now I am, <laughs> it's funny, I flew in from Haiti yesterday. Uh, oh I'm sorry, I flew in from Haiti on Thursday. Yesterday I got on a plane and flew to Kansas. And I am now sitting in the lobby of my hotel in Kansas uh, getting ready to go and teach a six-hour seminar that I teach all over the country. I have um, nine individual lessons that I teach uh, and others based on, you know, special special requests all over the country. I teach, two, on, on average, I teach 265 lessons in over 22 states every single year. And so I have, uh, I, I feel that, the uh, the wisdom of liberty is something that is worthy of the sacrifice to teach. And so my family travels with me. My husband, uh, when he is not uh, carrying on our mission in Haiti, he and my son are with me, and this is what we do. And I teach uh, high school, middle school students. I teach college students. I teach adult groups. I teach state legislators. I've taught the legislators of uh, Kansas, uh, Arizona, Utah and Oregon, and this year I think we're scheduled to teach at least three more states. Currently, I teach local government and law enforcement, and and this is this is what I do. I've written five books. We have DVDs, and we are dedicated to this uh, this preservation of knowledge, as as, um, as uh, uh, Samuel Adams said. And and part of that is that we operate by faith, so I have no speaking fees. And I don't make any group uh, reimburse me for my expenses. We are not independently wealthy, although I am a Christian and a believer. I believe that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And for five years now, God has helped us make this ministry work. We're not a 501c3 because I'm not going to have the government tell me what to do. But we have people who support us like missionaries and uh, keep this ministry going. And God has given us... Uh, uh, a wisdom t- uh, or a sort of a gift to to create uh, tools for people to use the books, the DVDs, the videos. I'm sure you saw the Oregon video, and these okay. are, I made that I made that while I was in Haiti. That's all the palm trees. That's what I was wondering. I, I was yeah. looking at that as as I was watching. I'm thinking, this is interesting. I wonder where the heck she is. Yeah, I was in Haiti actually at the time in wow. Port-au-Prince. So well, uh, these us, are the things that we little... need to do as a people. Give us a little expansion on that. Well, the first lesson that I teach is oh, called I the, the, I the, the little video you just did in, in Haiti. Oh, oh, in Haiti. Okay. All right. Well, that's the understanding that, number one, we have to, and I think the first point that I'm trying to drive home here in this video is that we've got to change the narrative. We've been led about by the nose, like a bull with a, with, with a ring through his nose for decades. We don't even media. understand what an executive order is. No, we don't. We don't. And how that's can, because how can we get beyond that if we don't even know what an executive order is? Well, we or have who, to turn who off who it applies to. Yeah, we have to turn off the the mainstream media. Uh, we need to understand that the government has been in control of the media for much uh, for a very long time, and it's just a simple historical tool. <laughs> it's a simple historical tool. Uh, understanding that government will control media. I mean, it's it's George the Third controlled the media when our framers were trying to teach their uh, colonial friends about liberty. I mean, that that's just what we do. So we need to turn off the mainstream media as truth. 
Now, it's okay to use them as a source, but they can't be the end of the truth. And so we use them to identify the issues and then go search out the truth. We've got to stop being people of sound bites and people of, uh, you know, believing whatever we're told. Because we haven't taught the truth in government schools for a very long time either. Right. And so we got to just get back to the truth. Um, let me, let the, me interrupt you just right there for just one second. There was a, the, the event in Philadelphia two days ago. Mm-hmm. The, this, this lunatic shot a young police officer sitting in his car. Right. I, I've listened to at least five or six different narratives on the reporting of that. One of them, one of them very quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, said at the very end, as the, as the fade was taking over on his report, that the gun he used was a stolen police gun. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is saying that. That was said once. I heard it once, and it's gone. Right, because these are all about, it, the narrative is about government control. So the government control mechanism is we have to, we have to put fear in the heart of the people. Um, and so what we have to do is take back that narrative. And I think that was, that was the first principle that I was trying to put forward in the Oregon video is we've got to take back the narrative and find the truth. And so and what, the do truth we do of the, but what do we do with it when we find it? Well, you know, the interesting thing about truth is it's, it's, uh, it's inspirational and it will tell you what to do. The truth tells you how to behave and how to act. It's, that's why we, we know that liberty is inherent. It's, it's within us. It's by nature of our creation. And once the truth of that liberty is awakened, then the spirit guides you on what you should do. And so uh, we, well, as a we Christian, know we're what commanded we to fear not. As a Christian, the command Absolutely. is fear not. But every, no matter, I'm sure you find it all the time, when you go into a church organization or a Christian group and you tell them this, well, we, we can't do that, they would do this. Right. That's well, that's fear. because <laughs> that's because our churches have been devoid of God for a very long time now. Our pastors no longer operate in the spirit. Trouble. trouble. You're in trouble, lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a troublemaker by nature. I was born that me. way. Works for me. <laughs> you know, we have too many pastors who have sold themselves over to idolatry, right? They're more worried about uh, their 501c3 money. They're more worried about... Uh, losing tithes, money in the pew. They're more worried about making the deacons' wives mad because they're worse than the IRS. And oh man, you got it. That's right. That's the truth, right there. Now you're really, <laughs> well, now you're really in trouble. You've just my, made everybody mad. Well, my husband was a pastor for many years, so I know the inter- the the internal workings of the church. I know how it works. And so what we have are pastors that say, I don't want to lose my 501c3 money. I don't want to lose my tithe money. I don't want to make the deacon's wives mad and lose my job money, and which tells us right then and there our pastors have broken the first commandment. They've become idolaters. And then, they, then we know that they no longer have the wisdom of God because Ezekiel 3.17 teaches that, uh, uh, that we are given a, a, a wisdom and a truth, and the purpose of that truth is to teach the wicked so that they will repent and turn from their wickedness. And Ezekiel 3.17 says, if you fail to teach the truth that I've given you, the wicked will perish in their wickedness, but I will demand their blood at your hands. Which means now we have pastors that no longer fear God, and which means the fear of, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So now they're idolaters that have no wisdom of God in them, which means they're not fit for our pulpits. 
But we have so many ignorant Christians sitting in the pews who just simply take the word from their pastor instead of reading it themselves that they end up following these people and and um, becoming accountable to Ezekiel 3.17 themselves. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. That's it. That's where we are. We need... It's the most fundamental... I. You you do a great teaching. I've listened to many of your videos and stuff. You do a great teaching on the Constitution and how it's supposed to be and what it is and why and all the background. But when you get right down to it, the most of the people that we would be talking to right now don't know the difference between rights and privilege. How fundamental? Right. How fundamental can we get? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And uh, that's sad. That that makes right. Well, you lose the distinction between rights and privileges, then you you lose the understanding of the proper role of government. You know that um, if you go to my website to the video section, my husband is also teaching as we travel as he travels with me. There's a lesson called uh, uh, righteous resistance to civil authority, and it's a videotaping of a PowerPoint presentation that my husband did in uh, Chicago when we were teaching up there. And it's an amazing biblical lesson about the Christian's duty to disobey government. And I would encourage anybody who is listening to go to my website, chrisannhall.com, and go to the video section and watch that Righteous Resistance video and share it with their pastors. And uh, it's it's not... Uh, you know, in-depth biblical theology that takes great philosophical understanding. My husband takes the stories from the Bible that we all learned in Sunday school as kids to show God's will uh, in uh, relationship to a wicked government. And And again, this is the solution to all of this. The solution to all of this is we must, absolutely must become educated on the truth because the only thing that will that will give us the courage and the fortitude to to do what we need to do uh, is is the wisdom and the foundation in knowing what we have to do is right. As as David said, there is a cause, and the cause is just. Wow. Yes. Absolutely. Um, folks, it's Chris Ann Hall is the is the. Um, website it's just full of stuff it's k r i s a n n e h a l l k r i s a n n e h a l l it's it's a great website and i was reading on your background last night i hadn't read the rest all of your background prior i'm very mm-hmm. impressive very impressive <laughs> your 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 roots are not where they are today uh, that's for sure I am redeemed, and that's all I can say. <laughs> that's the key, isn't it? Isn't that that's the key? Uh, I want to ask you this question on where do you think we stand in this quote? Uh, I, I'm not a great big fan of Winston Churchill, but this quote is important for us to deal with. If you will not fight for right when you mm-hmm. can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may be a worst case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it's better to perish than to live as a slave. 
You know, it's very interesting because I teach that quote as well uh, because that was the fundamental foundation of our framers. They were not fighting for independence or liberty for themselves. They said time and time again, we are doing this for ages and millions yet unborn because the truth in that quote is that liberty is not a gift that you purchase for yourself. You've done nothing to secure the liberty that you have. Uh, That's been bought by the sacrifice in the blood of those who came before us. John Adams himself said, um, liberty must be supported at all hazards. We have a right to it derived from our maker. But if we had not, our fathers have purchased it for us at the expense of their ease, their estates, their pleasures, and their blood. Mm -hmm. And so we have an obligation uh, to take the gift that God has given us and preserve and prosper it for our posterity. And I think uh, a good biblical lesson from that comes from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 25, 14 through 30 in the parable of the talents, which teaches that uh, when the master gives a gift, he doesn't expect us to simply just guard and hide that gift. He expects us to prosper it and uh, with, without fear prosper it. And we, are, we know from that parable that when the master goes away, he will return. And when he returns, there's a day of reckoning. And so we will all stand before God and answer for what we've done with his gifts. And if all we've done is sit around and watch uh, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox and get angry at the television, and yet we run out to the polls and still vote the lesser of evils, ensuring that evil always has its rule, that we will stand before God and hear those words, wicked and slothful servant. And um, that's basically what got me on my feet and drove me out the door was this understanding that, that I don't want to hear that from the one who created me, the one who died so that I could be redeemed. That's not something I want to hear. So I, we've made it our mission to, to stand up and step out and be a voice of truth and, Uh, help turn this all around. And that's what Winston Churchill was saying. Look, you will have to fight. And that's what we decided in my house. You know, there will be a day when we have to fight. That is, that is a historical truth. That is a factual truth. That's a biblical truth. Why not just run to a mountain? Why just, why not just run to an Island? Mm -hmm. Why not just, why not just go into Montana, into a cave and come out when it's over? Uh, Because you cannot hide from God. You can't. Jefferson said, the God who gave us life gave us liberty. And how can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we remove their foundation that liberty is a gift from God? He said, I tremble for my country knowing that we serve a just God and you cannot hide from God forever. And so we've got to, that's what we've got to do. We've got to understand that we will have to do something. So why not do it now on your terms rather than on somebody else's? Amen. Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you coming on with such short notice. We've got so many things going on in the country. Uh, I, I I tremble. I literally tremble. Um, yeah, well, we know the end of the story, though, and that's the hope. So. Yep, yep. I appreciate what you do so much. Uh, I follow you as best I can with, with the time available. And any time that you feel that there's something that really needs to be said, uh, our airways are open to you at any time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You take care. Thanks for being with me today. Chris Ann Mm -hmm. Hall, folks, go to the website, chrisannhall.com. It is packed full of good information, tools, tools. We need tools because tools mean you're going to hammer a few nails. Without the tools, you can't get anything done. You need the tools.
pick up the tools and go to work. Okay, we got to get out of here. Northern Maine Landman is coming up right behind us on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine. Thanks for being with us today, folks. Support the folks that support us. Natural Living Center, great big health food store in Bangor, 207-990-2646. Give them a call. Special orders, get a nice discount. they got the great supplement department, lots of good stuff, and people that will help you with your decisions and good information. We have the best. They have the best customer service in the state, bar none. Give them a call, 207-990-2646, Natural Living Center, Longview Drive in Bangor. And in Caribou, John Cave and Countywide Vacuum. John sells a perfect vacuum and services the rest. Also, if you're going to be heading to Bangor for the, uh, for the um, tournaments here some, someday soon, whenever these basketball tournaments, the whole county empties, the um, Econo Lodge is no longer the Econo Lodge. A lot of folks stay there. It's always packed out. It's our favorite place to be, way more away from the county. And the Econo Lodge is now Roadway Inn. So they didn't go away. It just changed the name. Econo Lodge, same great, same great uh, continental breakfast, same great pool, and the same great courteous staff. So Econo Lodge is now Roadway Inn in Bangor on the Odlin Road, right there, uh, whatever the place is, on um, Outer Hammond Street and Odlin Road, right there, where it used to be. It's no longer the Econo Lodge. It's the roadway in. Okay, folks, hang on as I slip this all over because uh, our producer, Bob Roy, is in Augusta dealing with the uh, state committee this morning. So have a great day. We'll see you on the radio. WXME AM 780, Monticello, Holton, Presque Isle.